What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the In the Round podcast. It's your boy, Matt Burrell. Shout out to Sweet Boy behind the camera. And uh, we are in the sweet digs of the DM Monday studio. Shout out to Trey Lewis, Trey Bonner, the whole crew, letting us come on in here and do In the Round. Make sure you guys check out the DM Monday podcast as well. Today on uh, episode 91, we have got our boy, Mr. Murphy Elmore. Murphy, Alabama native, been here in town for a while. You all may know his hit song, Whoever Broke Your Heart, and uh, he's got a brand new one coming out called Talk You Into Staying that we're going to be talking about on today's episode. Great conversation with our boy, Murphy Elmore. Biggest biceps in Nashville, I think. I, I don't even know how he fit into that damn t-shirt. But anyway, tell you about our sponsors, Whale Tail Media, Wales, BZ, Gracie, The Crew, He's so freaking busy because he's so good at what he fucking does. Um, he was working even at our round the other night on his laptop. putting. I think he got two or three music videos done during the round, which is unheard of and crazy. If you want him working on your shit too, keep the man busy. Hit up Whale Tail Media. Next, we got our friends at Saxman Studios. Grady and the boys, they are badass. They kill it. They're out Mount Juliet. Great product for a very reasonable great price. Hit up Saxman Studios and check them out. And then last but certainly not least, our friend Mitch Wallace at The Digital Marketing Agency. You use TikTok, you use Instagram, check out our boy Mitch. He's got it. He's even got cool t-shirts now with a bear on it. So y'all be sure to check them out. We're going to get into it now. Episode 91, talking with Murphy Elmore. His new single, Talk You Into Staying. This is the In The Round Podcast. So what are you drinking there, bud? I'm sipping on a little bit of Jack Daniels and Sprite. And Sprite? Yeah. I haven't heard of people mixing Sprite with Jack. Is that is that an Alabama thing or what? Uh, it's it's honestly not as good as Jack Daniels and Coke. So but why, so why why are we settling for Sprite? Is that all they have? Teeth. F- what? Teeth. Teeth? Yeah, I don't drink dark liquids. What if you don't drink dark liquids? I don't drink dark liquids. Is not, that is that why your teeth are so white? Well, the f- the front this, these are so white because they're fake. They're fake. Yeah. The fuck you doing with fake teeth? I got a bowling a bowling ball landed on my face when I was uh, probably twelve or thirteen. How the hell does that happen? Man, with my luck, honestly, sh- shit just happened. No, you got to tell the story. Well, so, all right, man. Youth trip bowling. Youth trip. So it's yeah, like church. So church function. Church function. Um, yeah, church function, and uh, thankfully. Much like I am as an adult, I was thinking, you know, I'm going to be funny. And it's mostly just funny to me. But as long as I'm laughing at the end of the day, I guess that's what matters. But I had, uh, we had just got there to this bowling alley. And I think maybe Pelham, Alabama, I don't know, somewhere around there. Um, But, and ironically enough, my dad built the bowling alley. But here and we're there. We just got there, and somebody in the group before us had spilled a drink, and they didn't clean it up. I mean, and I picked up, thankfully, thinking I was going to be funny. There was, like, this little pink bowling ball, and it was, like, the smallest one you could yeah. get, you know. And uh, thankfully, I picked that one up instead of, you know, which I was – at a young age, it wasn't like I was going to be bowling with – I don't know much about bowling, PTSD issues now, but <laughs> – it's not like I was gonna be grabbing the biggest ball, you know. Anyways, yeah. but yeah, man, I uh, went. You know, you're wearing the bowling shoes and all that, and I went to go bowl, and I my feet found the puddle, and so my feet go out from under me. Bowling ball goes up, head hits the ground, 
gravity does its thing, bowling ball comes down <laughs> right in the grill. Fuck. Yeah. So they yeah they actually had to do surgery to uh to pull cut my teeth because they came through my lip and then they broke off on the way back and they couldn't find my teeth like they were they weren't just like disintegrated they were broke off you know um but nobody could find my teeth which i don't know why they were looking for them <laughs> like they were gonna glue them back in there. yeah i, I mean i mean hey this is pelham I, alabama yeah like, i don't get know. her done i mean i'm not i'm pretty sure that might have been the first time i got semi knocked you know unconscious so um it's not like i was really coherent and uh but i do remember them looking around for my teeth for whatever reason and we never obviously we never found them but then when i went to the uh oral surgeon or whatever um they were like well good news we found his teeth bad news we have to do surgery to cut them out because they came through my lip then broke and they were still in there so Jeez. they had to go in and cut those out but my favorite part of that was um once again, it's a youth function, like yeah. a church youth function, and we're in the bathroom, and obviously I'm bleeding like great. Like there's, you know, it's a, it's not a good situation, and I'm just coming to terms with exactly what happened. And the most Alabama guy, and I, you know, I say that being from Alabama, and I love Alabama, but when people think Alabama, it was this guy that came up, and I'm sitting there at the sink like trying to get some of the blood off my face and uh one of the guy that was like the youth pastor was there trying to trying to you know help me and uh this guy comes up he's like man did you get your ass whooped or what like what'd you do to piss somebody <laughs> yeah it's like yeah okay. I did get my ass by bowling ball. It was uh, was it, it was the was little pink great. one? Yeah, it was a little pink one. Well, thankfully. I'm glad it was the little pink I one know, and not it, one of the big heavy ones. Exactly. Then you yeah, might, be, might have been so more than your teeth. That's a silver. Yeah, and and they had like, um, and it kind of sucks because I didn't like. This is what my teeth would have looked like, regardless of the bowling ball incident. But I. Uh, I would have never had to have braces, which would have been awesome. And I didn't have to have braces, but they did have to wire my my stuff. So they, do they like come a, out like dentures or no? No, no, they're uh, they're veneer. There was enough of the teeth left, uh, like the, you know, actual teeth. So they're they're veneers, like this is the top row, not the whole row, but the top row That's that you wild. can see. But so I don't drink dark liquid because these don't stain right here, right? So if I'm drinking dark liquids and the rest of my teeth start to you know, stain over time. If, if all your teeth look like you don't, nobody notices, yeah. but if I go to smile and my teeth are stained on that, like the, you know, the ones that aren't, I got a two-tone mouth, you know, two-tone mouth. Yeah. I got a two-tone mouth, like a, <laughs> like an old cat eye Chevy just out here. And, and, uh, it, you know, I'm told it doesn't bode well. I feel, I feel like people would be like, Oh, <laughs> I know where that guy's from. You yeah. know, now, where in Alabama are you actually from? I'm from, I call it Oak Grove. Um, and that's where the school area is. But if you look up Oak Grove, it's not there because there is an Oak Grove, Alabama. But I grew up in, my address was Mulga, Alabama. Which is closest to what? Like Bessemer, Alabama. Um, which is like Birmingham area. Yeah, Birmingham So right area. in the dead center. Kind of, sort of. I'm 
about I grew up probably about forty five minutes out of Birmingham, maybe an hour. Towards Georgia, towards Mississippi. No, kind of like or south. like if you'd go towards Tuscaloosa, and then before you get, you're probably an hour and some change before you get towards Tuscaloosa. You go off into the middle of nowhere, okay. and then. But we we were real proud. We had a uh, we had a stop sign on one side uh, where the where red top was, and then at the other end we had an intersection at two like off of a road called two sixty nine, and uh, that one had a caution light. So big time. We were doing it big down there, <laughs> and and uh, yeah, I mean that's just kind of where I grew up. And honestly, I loved it and. And I don't think I realized how much I loved it until I moved away. And then, you know, like, for instance, even coming here, I was like, okay, I better leave an hour early, even though it's not that far, because you never know. Like, I stopped two miles, mile and a half, two miles away from my house earlier to get diesel. And from there to get back home, (laughs) It took me 35 minutes. Cause how, there was, how, mu- how much is it costing you to fill up your truck right now? <laughs> man, um, thankfully today I wasn't on E. Um, but last time I tried to fill up, the pump just shut off at $90. It, it didn't even let me fill up. It just, the uh, gas station I was at just had a, I guess they had a limit. So 90 bucks is all you can get. So I, I had maybe... So, what, I had a little over half a tank from 90, uh, but I put, I, I had diesel in it. Like I wasn't on E, but I was just like, you know what, for, I might as well go ahead and. So is it, how, mu- how much do you think on E? Like 150 bucks to fill up your truck right now? I, 200? Mm, probably anywhere from 150 to one, 160. I don't know. I, I put 120 in it today, and I had, so that was about three quarters of a tank, 120. Sheesh. Uh, makes me feel good driving my Tacoma because that diesel's expensive. Um, makes Extra me expensive. think, you know what? A Prius is pretty reasonable. Yeah, like, all them electric yeah. cars and all that shit. So, so how long after the bowling ball incident did you start singing? So mm. you're 12 when that shit happened. Yeah, it was when probably about three music? years. Um, I honestly, so I started. I mean, I was singing my whole life, but there's a catch to that because it wasn't like I was singing my whole life for anybody else to hear. I think my mom was the only one that knew that. So you weren't like a singing in church guy, like. I, well, I became one. Not thanks to me. Actually, my mom kind of made that happen as well. Um, long story short, the uh, youth group band at the church that um, I grew spent most of my life in, um, which wasn't the church I knocked my teeth out at, but a different church. But the youth group band was like, "Hey, did you did you, did you guys move to a different church after?" You, no, you no, 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 it wasn't, was like, it wasn't like that. No, no, it wasn't <laughs> like that. Um, no, man, it, it just uh, it just seemed to shake out that way. But it, my mom grew up in this this church that I learned, you know, that I started actually singing and playing guitar in, but. Um, I didn't start. To, I started playing guitar first, uh, and there, you know, there was maybe at the time like fifteen, twenty people in their tops that I'd known since you know Sunday school days, like yeah. you know, itty bitty, and 
the uh, youth pastor um, who actually called me yesterday, but Mike Stevens um, at church one night was uh, Wednesday night service was like, hey, does anybody in here play guitar? And I started learning to play guitar that year actually and um, fell in love with it. But I didn't want anybody to know about it because I'm a super shy person. And to this day, I can be really shy, and, and it comes across wrong to a lot of people, yeah. but um, I'm an awkward I – can, I can be an awkward person. Now, when it comes to what I do and, um, you know, stuff like that, there's like a switch, if that makes sense, and, and it just – all that stuff kind of dissipates a little yeah. bit. Um, but I, I can be awkward, and um, – so I didn't say a word. I didn't want anybody to know. Um, and uh, my mom snitched because apparently at the what we called big church, which was like where the adults, you know, were at church. They they asked the same announcement for somebody that could play guitar and uh, do it like for the youth group on on Wednesday nights. And and my mom went up and snitched on me after the service, I guess, because I got a call from the youth pastor, and he was like. So I hear you can play guitar. Do you want to start playing on Wednesday nights? And and honestly, it was the best thing ever because I didn't want to do it. But I didn't want to do it not because I didn't want to play guitar, but because I was that shy of a person. Yeah, you like, didn't how get am I going to get up in front of people and do any like do something, you know? And but I wasn't going to say no either because you know it's like small town church and and everything like that. And I was like. I've got to do it. And I remember I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. And I'll never forget like the first Wednesday night service that I played. And that's all I had to do. I didn't have to sing. I didn't have to do anything. I, I just had to sit and strum my guitar um, while the other guy sang and played keys. Yeah. And um, I don't think I've ever been more nervous to date of my entire life in any situation. Really? I think that's the most nervous I've ever singing been. Singing songs about the Lord. And I wasn't singing. I, all I had to do, playing, mind you, playing was songs playing about songs the about the Lord. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, like it wasn't about the songs I was playing or, or anything like that. It was just like, I've got to get up in front of people. And these are also people that I've known since Sunday school days. Yeah. Like I was a kid. And uh, so it, on one side, it sounds kind of ridiculous, but... I remember, you know, I we got up there and did it, and and it was probably like three songs, honestly, but it felt like an eternity. But I actually was like, you know what, that wasn't that bad. I actually kind of enjoyed that. And I was every Wednesday night we were doing it, and um, I started enjoying it and like getting comfortable to where it wasn't, it wasn't the like sickening, yeah, to to a point like. Because when you get nervous, at least for me, even when I would get nervous, it would be pre, pre-show. pre Yeah. Like at I the mean, time, I, I say show in a quote, but it would be like before anything happened. Once I got up there, I was like, this is kind of awesome. I I love it. I love music. I've loved music my whole life. And you were it's big, cool you, to be a part of it. You, you know? were a big butt rock guy, weren't you? A big what? Butt rock. 
like I don't, Nickelback, Creed, oh, yeah, like, oh, absolutely. like Hinder, like shit, uh-huh. like Saliva, like people 100% like that. 100% to this day. Yeah, absolutely. So I was going to say, because like you talk about loving music. You're how old? I think you and I are about the same age. I'm 29. Okay, so you're a little bit older than me. So I'm 27. Um, but like growing up when we grew up, and obviously we have very different upbringings. You're from small town where you're talking about you're happy you have a caution light in there and you're, you're playing small yeah. town. And we didn't go to church on Wednesdays where I'm from. You know, mm. it's, it's different, but still that same era of, of music coming up. Obviously you have more country down here, but the right. 2000s were really cool because everything was mainstream. Yeah. Like you had your, your, your butt rock. You had your, your hip hop stuff. You had your country stuff, the, yeah. the worship stuff, all that. When my dad, like, so my parents listened to all of that, by the way. Really? I think, yeah. I, my, what um, was the weirdest thing you remember your parents playing where you're like, I can't believe my mom and dad listened to this. I can go, I can, I can go further than just what the weirdest thing I'll <laughs> like, I was scarred for life. Nelly, Nelly was, you know, the biggest thing at the time. And we're on the boat, um, Smith Lake, Alabama. We had a Bayliner Capri. We had a spot for maybe six or seven years in a, at a campground. We were, you know, a camper. And, uh, but the boat had a speaker system in it. Oh. And my dad dancing on a Bayliner Capri. My dad's like my like my height. Um, and he does not care about, he has no awkwardness that I have or shyness to him whatsoever. We call that a give, we call that a give a fuck meter. That's what I call it. Yeah. And he has none of it. Yeah. Like not one, not one at all. Um, which kind of makes him a total liability sometimes, but (laughs) he, yeah, I'll never forget. Like there's, there's these rock, you know, people go jump off these cliffs and, and we would go. But when you get there to go jump, there'd be tons of boats and, and everybody, you know, just hanging out, having a good time. And I was young, you know, really young. And a Nelly song would come on and nobody, everybody's, nobody else is doing it. But my dad's somehow in the brightest color. It's getting hot. In yeah. Here. And he's so just off all like, and if you've ever seen the Fresh Prince, Prince of Bel-Air, it, it's like Carlton. The, you oh, know, the Car- no. But he... He goes in like he goes. He goes hard, and it kind of scar. Man, that kind of scarred me for life. I still, uh, you know, think about that. But it would be like my parents had the Creed CD. Um, you know, oh man, now that one, that yeah. whole thing. Because I, I hear that in your music. Like I hear that rock kind of influence. I love. I love rock. In your stuff. Um, I grew up. I grew up on everything, though, man. Um, and I think honestly. Outside of the life that I grew up in and the world that I grew up in, being as country as it was, um, Keith Whitley was, I would say, my biggest country influence. And thankfully, I think it might have been the best thing that ever happened, but um, my when my granddaddy had passed, he had left my dad a farm truck, uh, or a truck, and we called it the farm truck because that was what we'd take to the farm but it was basically like a tank it was like one of the old f-100s or f-1 yeah. it was like steel you know and uh we my dad had put like a stereo system in it not like the speakers and everything but just something because it didn't have cd play those those didn't have cd players back yeah. in those days but he put a cd player in it and maybe they wired it wrong i don't know but the 
or maybe we just didn't have other CDs, but I'm from my memory, if memory serves right, the Keith Whitley Greatest Hits album got stuck in there, or maybe, like I said, we just didn't have another CD. Um, but so every time we'd go to the farm, go hunting, um, or anything like that, it was just Keith Whitley, but I loved it. Like, I loved every yeah. Keith, everything Keith Whitley And it brings did you back to that place, that nostalgic moment of riding around in the farm truck. Absolutely. And and, it just and so happened that yeah, was what you had. Right, and, but, you know, so... For me, that's that's always going to be my when people are like who's who's the goat who's the goat to you who's your favorite of all time and it's yeah. it's Keith Whitley by, yeah. like hands down. So you were talking about your dad being a liability. And Total this is where I want. This is where yeah. I want to. This is where I want to get into get into oh, our, our buddy boy. here. So, a sweet boy, behind the behind the camera over there. Oh yeah. So obviously, him and I have gotten to know each other a lot over the last. I guess. It'll be coming up on two years in the winter. I, I couldn't have told you who he was, like any of that stuff. But, of course, now us both working with another Alabama guy, Trey. Right. How did you first meet Sweet Boy, and what did he do to let you to let you have him at your house? Like, because like, that, well, that, that's a lot to house. Well, there's two different things, because I didn't find this out two years later, but to get hired, because he, like, he was my drummer for a spell, yeah, how'd you find um, him? Like, how do you find how do you find this guy out of Selma, Alabama? Man, just Birmingham. You know, playing shows in Birmingham and word of mouth. At what, um, at what venues? Like, what what was Zydeco, the Birmingham? I think scene I was at then? Zydeco and and I'd played a show and uh, somebody recommended him as a as a drummer. And I want to say that's about how it happened. You you'll have to. Yeah, Michael Warren. That was it. Michael Warren, um, a buddy of ours who who lives here now as well in Nashville. Who's he's awesome. Um, but he he had recommended him, and uh, so I texted him, you know, and uh, he he lied because I was like, "Hey man, are you good with like tracks and everything like that?" And he was like, "Yeah, man, for sure." So I was like, "Cool, I'm gonna give you a shot," you know. And uh, but I'll give him credit too. I didn't find out years later because even though he knew nothing about him. He made sure before he even showed up for the first rehearsal that he had figured it out, you know, and, um, he's just good people, man. Like, um, honestly, he's a solid dude. And I told him years ago, um, I was like, man, you need to be in this town though. Yeah. There's only so much that, but the thing is the Alabama scene is, in my opinion, and again, I could be biased based on who's been paying my checks the last few years, um, but the Alabama music scene is unlike any other music scene as far as a local state goes. There's so many places to play. There's so many people coming out of there. Like, I'm, I'm from New York where we got nine and a half million people on a fucking island in right. New York City. And there's music and stuff going on there, but there's so much, there's, it's just the support system that's in Alabama, the, the opportunities to play, and the college kids loving live music as opposed to a DJ. Like, I, I can see why there are a lot of guys and girls that stick it out down there and are hesitant to come up because, like, oh, if I got to go to Nashville, it's three, four hours up 65. Right. So it's I, I get the and same thing with the Georgia boys, same thing with the Mississippi guys and girls. Mm-hmm. Like it's being in the southeast, you're still not too far away, but you guys have such like a, a flourishing scene down there. And you're part of that story of what came up yeah. between the years of twenty fourteen and I guess now, like you're part of that wave that was coming through at that yeah. time. So yeah. what, and what was that? What were those years like coming up? Well, man, I'll tell you to be honest, 
honest with you, so I didn't do the I didn't have the Alabama scene like the way that most people did before I got to town. Um what were you doing for gigs? I I was playing just like dive bars on the river or Lakeview? Um no, that sounds fancy. It, it well, was, I'm saying uh, like that section of no, like, it was the Warrior Bur- River. Um, so I was playing. At, was playing TP Miller's. I never played TP Miller's, but okay, I've then you didn't go to the biggest shitholes out there. Then I've been. You I've, have been. I okay. went to support. Yeah, these dudes. Okay. Yeah, I think I've been to two of their shows out there. Um, at, at some point or another, and and uh, you got to name, name. And some thank of the God bars, I did though. because I think I was the only one at one of those shows. <laughs> well, you got to name. You got to name name some of the places you were uh, playing. If River still Bend. Existence. I played like this place called River Bend. Uh, it was on the river, and we played on a like a barge float. Like it was like, and it's on the river, but they the stage wasn't on the decking or in, in so how'd the, you get the gear there? What you put it in a boat and then, you well, there wasn't the much barge? gear. It was me at acoustic guitar and then uh, another guy playing acoustic guitar and they didn't even put my name on acoustic there. duo. Yeah. It was an acoustic duo and, and they didn't even like, I say I wrote the songs. I had like three or four songs written. So, and we'd play for three or four hours. You know how that goes. Yeah. Uh, so it was mostly covers and stuff, but, it was kind of funny because I remember one time they printed up a flyer and and my name wasn't even on. It was like they they were like Austin Freeman band live and and th- he just played guitar. But yeah. I was so that's where we where we started and then some like through a long strain of crazy events, um, a song that we had put out uh, recently got to somebody's ears who was. Um, pretty influential in Nashville, and uh, for some reason they took an interest to it, and thankfully they did, but yeah, it was, at the time it was just, and it's something I still love, but at the time that's all it was, it's just like, oh, I love, I just love music, I enjoy this. So so were you making a living doing it, or like, was it just something you were doing on the weekends? I wasn't making, I wasn't doing it for work at the time. So what were you doing for work? Uh construction oh you're a construction guy i mean that makes total sense through co- like when i was in college um at alabama i went to alabama i didn't graduate um there's but, a lot of musicians that go to I'm, I'm learning in this scene that go to school at these universities in the state of alabama uh-huh. that don't end up graduating but make it out all right doing the music thing like i think about i think about you being there trey didn't even technically go there but he lived in tuscaloosa mm-hmm. charlie going to um auburn and he dropped out and mm-hmm. that's worked out well i don't know if riley fully made it through jacksonville state I, i'm not really sure because i know he i know he was but, there for a little bit but there's well that's the key to it then guys if you're wanting to do the music industry go to college and then quit yeah, go, go to go to college <laughs> drop out and move no, to nashville but while, but that's while the, you're there get the gigs and then make your money playing yeah. the gigs see i didn't places. i i wasn't well, you music. weren't even doing music at that point so no, what was your major no um i was going for business and thinking about doing kinesiology because i was super in, so that's like exercise science makes um, total sense but uh he's a fitness trainer by the way ask our boy trey bonner he will get you swole well yeah that's so that was one of my jobs in college i'd gotten certified to be a personal trainer while i was still in high school uh around those ages and um so when i went to college i 
I got to get a job. So I, I didn't actually get, or I shouldn't say get because, um, you know, that that's probably wrong. But I didn't do the normal college thought. Like, I, I was working two jobs. I was personal. Like, I got a job at a gym as a personal trainer. Um, in between classes during the day, I was at the gym, you know, doing that. And then at nights, I worked at a bar on the strip that used to be called Rounders. I haven't been back. I think uh, I think the Rounders is still there. Okay, is there it is still Rounders? Rounders but yeah, I was they've, security they've been... at at Rounders that um, for a while. So, uh, but there was no thought of me. Like I still loved music. And, Were you writing songs at that point, or like no? How I wasn't writing music. I w- I wasn't writing. I'd written songs before um, when you know I'd started playing in church and stuff and. And that went from, hey, does anybody play guitar? Then the guy that sang and played keys left, and my mom snitched on me again, and I felt like I couldn't say no. But then, you know, once again, being nervous and then going through with it and falling in love with the performing side of music. Um, I thought church. you were going to say Preacher's Daughter, and I was like, damn, you and McElwain got a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> well, McElwain's not calling much, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, um, but uh, I fell in love with that side of it through church, and I started writing songs. I think the first song I ever wrote was a praise and worship song, and um, and and it it ended up being it's still a song that means a lot to me, you know, to this day. Did but, you ever think about going that route? Yes, and no, honestly, no. <sighs> I mean, there was brief times where I thought, like, because I was a big fan of, you know, I, I've, when you start doing any kind of music or whether you're playing in church or playing, you know, wherever, you're a student of, I feel like you're a student of, you know, the people that do it that, on that next on so the that's, level. So that's like yeah. what? Because, again, I'm not super familiar. Is that like Michael W. Smith and, like, people like that? Yeah, like those? Jeremy Camps, like Chris Tomlins, um stuff like that because um, there's a big crossover with with that within country music like if you listen yeah, to I mean, a lot basically of basically like, hillsong united you know at the time was every song and then you know and you don't know where they come from that's the weird thing about that industry is because it could be there'll be one song done by nine different artists and all of them you know have their own spin of it but it's so I never understood all that side of that world. Yeah, because at that time is like when, because like there's videos like when FGO was in their heyday, and I remember it being a big, and I didn't know who Chris Tomlin was. I later found out he's like he's huge in that. No pun intended. One of the gods of the worship scene, music wise. He's the like Florida he, Georgia line of that scene. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He, well, he's he's a <laughs> yeah. big, big, big deal. No, but right. Like they had brought him out to sing a song, or whatever. But also like when I go and listen to some of that kind of music, because again, I didn't really grow up on it. You hear a lot of the influ- You hear a lot of what's transitioned and become considered like pop country, mm-hmm. like that more kind of melodic. Like a lot of what like Ten Penny does, or like what yeah. what a guy like like a Jordan Davis or some of those Thomas yeah. Red songs. And like, just to stop, not hear. to interrupt you, keep going with your thought. But Ten Penny, 
I'm pretty sure he could sing. It doesn't matter what he's singing. Well, I'm saying just I'm gonna listen. That dude is a monster. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm saying like sonically, just like the way the production is mm. and all that kind of stuff. So it's cool to see. Like, there's a lot. So many people were influenced by both country and the worship scene because they mm. came up in the worship scene while mm. also living the country lifestyle and listening right. to folks like Keith Whitley, but also listening to that other yeah. stuff. So. That's cool. Keith you, Whitley, Nickelback, Nelly, yeah, Creed, yeah, yeah, all that. Yeah, stuff. It, all, it all kind of flows in. So when does when does music become like a, the thing you're gonna do with your life? Like when does that I, happen? Just to be fully honest with you, so I wrote my first country song that I ever wrote. I was probably fifteen or sixteen, and and I say that like I'd written all these other songs. I'd written one praise and worship song um, that we played in you know at church and stuff, and. Country music was more natural to me. Yeah. It was easy, not easy in any way, but more natural because that was my surrounding. Even with the church, even including church and, and everything like that, um, it was just natural because that was my life. Like, I didn't even realize, you know, hey, I'm writing a country song. It wasn't like when I wrote the song... Um, that I was like, I want to sit down and try to write a country song. Yeah. You know, it was just, that's what came out when I was writing what I was feeling or what I was going through at the time. And it, and it, that's just how it came out because that's, it was natural. Um, whereas when I wrote, you know, and it was the first song I ever wrote, but the praise and worship song, it was set down with the mentality of like, I want to try to write a song like I'm playing these songs on, you know, Wednesdays and Sundays and and what, you know, whatnot like that. Um, but that was a that was not necessarily just reaction. That was a, a strategy. Like I want to see if I can do this. Yeah. And and I thankfully that I did because that's the you know the first song, the first song that I ever wrote, um, and um, all that. But yeah, when I when I just sat down to write, when I just wanted to express, you know, what I was going through at the time, um, it was a country song, and and looking back, I'm like, well, I know why, because I know how I grew up and everything I grew up around and and all that stuff. But I think the deeper you dig into that and writing. And, you know, the music you do, like those influences that you were talking about earlier, like whether it be, you know, there's probably all kinds of different influences in what I write today. And it's not intentionally like, oh, I want this to have this sound because I liked this rock song yeah. back in the day. No, it's subliminal but within it your just, thoughts. It's yeah. just ingrained in, in who you are. Just like when I sit down to write a song naturally and it comes out country. Um, it's a country song. It's not because I sat down and go, I'm going to write a country song today. I mean, and, and you know, we write multiple songs a week and, and some never see the light of day. Some do. Um, but it's never like, Oh, what's gonna What's country. And what, what is like, what can I put in here to sell that this is country? It's just, it, it's just, a, it's just writing a song and that's how it comes out. But there's also as natural as that is um, for me because of, I think, where I grew up and how I grew up and, you know, the values between the values my parents instilled and just also how we rebelled <laughs> like, and what we did to, you know, um, 
just when we were trying to have a good time and stuff at, at a certain point, you know, that's just, that's just how it really yeah. is, you know? So it's just as natural. I feel like for those influences to kind of sneak in to where it's like, Oh, this is like a rock. It's not like I've sit ever sat down and went, I want to write a country song today, but I want it to be rock yeah. influenced or maybe even have a hint of like an R and B or this or that vibe. It, it's never been intentional. It's just, I want to write a, the best song we can for today. Yeah, like I want to write the yeah. best song I can today. Um, and it comes out like that because it's, it's just natural. And I feel like that's a really, you know, cool thing to give in, like to give, to give up control in, in that aspect, to just let you be you in an, in an yeah, aspect. Yeah, 100%. You know? So so how does the the song that really changed your life, how does um, Whoever Broke Your Heart, how, how does that come to be? Um, like, I know you're always hesitant to play at the writer's show. I always break your balls to yeah. play when we have you at it in the round, and you're like, I didn't write the song, like, but right. dude, play. Just yeah. throw it, throw it in there, even if it's a fucking bonus song, whatever. Because it's just one that it's it's one that's a that's a big one, man. And and you were, yeah. and even though you didn't write it, like you you're the that's how this town works sometimes. Well, so, no, but I'm weird that... about it mostly because not not. But I'm weird about playing it as a writer's in a writer's round because that's I write my music like that mo like. Does it bother you that the biggest song is an outside cut? Like, does that ah. rub you the wrong way? Like, no, honestly, honestly, it doesn't. It makes me want to work harder as a writer. Um, but no, funny enough, I um, before I moved to town, when the the whole prospect of me coming to town was a which thing, is what year? That was around 2015, 2014, late 2014, 2015. Okay. I, I moved up here, I believe, October, late October, early November of 2014. So um, it would have been around that time. So but, you're what, 2021 when that happens? Yeah, 21, 21 22, somewhere 21, in there. Somewhere in there, yeah, 21, 22, something like that. Um, but they, um, I was in contact with a certain you know, publishing company here through the the guy that, you know, had basically made all this fast forward, made everything happen as far as me getting here and all that. Um, but they wanted to hear me sing, you know, on some of his songs because I didn't have enough originals. It, it probably even have enough originals at the time. So they were like, hey, we're going to send you some of his catalog to just come put a vocal on so we can see. Which, like, which is a common thing for a lot of folks when they come to town. Like I remember. And maybe, but I, mean, I had no clue. Well, well, what I'm saying is like people, like they, they're, they see potential. They saw something in there where like this kid doesn't really have, we, we think like this kid has a great voice. He might be the mm -hmm. vessel for one of these songs and just a good way to feel out what you right. got at that time, which is right. completely different than who you are right now. Eight years ago, you're, you're... Oh, absolutely. I was so clueless. And and now I'm only like... I'm still so clueless. But <laughs> but I'm a little less clueless than I was eight years ago, seven years ago, whatever. But yeah. um, no, so I remember hearing that song and wondering why it wasn't already a huge number one because... The the guy that wrote it is a Hall of Fame writer. Yeah, like, yeah. I think Ash, he Ashley Gorley. Well, man. yeah, I mean, Rhett. So and Rhett, Rhett was my yeah. guy. Um, but 
Rhett, I think he just got inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame like last year that over you know over the past year. How'd like, you how how'd you get synced up with him? I ended up at a concert that I couldn't afford to be at, and he was standing in the crowd. I didn't know it at the time, but I guess somebody had bumped into him or spilled a drink on him or something and then tried to fight him or something. So he was out in the crowd because he was trying to find this guy to get him thrown out of uh it was a Brantley Gilbert show where I believe I know Thomas Rhett was out with Brantley at the time and I wanna say maybe Justin Moore, um and the full small, circle the thing. Small, the small town throwdown days. Yeah, yeah. might have been small town throwdown days. Um but I just happened to look over and it's like I'm pretty sure that's Red Akins, and I, and I went up and asked him for a picture and all that stuff, and and I didn't. But what I didn't do was go, "Hey, man, I write music too. Let me send you." You know, I didn't do that. I I was I'm you, a, like I said, se- I'm an you, awkward shy person. Well, you, so you, you you did what we call in in our crew the semi germ. Yeah, I wanted the picture. I didn't want a full germ. I didn't even know that term existed or what it meant at the time, but I knew like. I, me being as awkward as I am, it was, I was weird, like weirding myself out enough just by asking for the picture. But, um, he ended up at the time there was a, an interest with a girl that was in the group that, uh, that I was with that they had a, a romantic interest for a brief, a brief time. But, one of my songs came on, the, and she was already living up here. Um, but one of my songs came on her playlist while they were riding around, and he like stopped and was like, "Who is that?" And she was like, "Oh, that's Murphy. Um, he, you met him at this show, or that, you know, whatever." And um, so that's kind of how the, all that that ball started, kind of rolling. Really? Yeah. It's crazy like, enough. I mean, you like, know, what are the I odds? go from asking for a picture with a guy to there's a you know, a phone call and hey, it's you know, <laughs> hey, it's Rhett. I'm like, stop lying. Who is this? <laughs> Get yeah. out of here. You know, and and I, you know, I'm I'm that dude's just he's he's just one of those guys. He's on another level. Um, and a, a lot of people probably don't know this about him. Um, I guess a lot of people probably do, but just a good dude, man. Um, yeah. There's a reason that after his art, like, because he was doing the artist thing mm-hmm. a long time. I know he still pops up and does some right. shows here and there, but mm-hmm. there's a reason he's still, all these years later, still regarded as such a big guy here in town. Yeah. As a writer, very, as just a creative mind, as someone who's really put the hand out and pulled some guys up to yeah, where he's very, at. Very, very respected dude and, and has had his hand in a lot of a lot of people's, you know, Help a hand in helping a lot of people. Yeah. So succeed. when so when did whoever broke your heart become a Murphy Elmore song? Oh yeah. Um. So I didn't touch it for year like two or three years because I was like, it's not going to be fair to him. He's just done all this stuff for me. I'm not going to cut this song because um, somebody else is going to cut it. Was it ever on hold with anyone that you know of, or not that I know of? No. And and it blew my mind because it's just when i heard it i'm like this is exactly you know i I can't count the conversations i've had with with girls over you know over the past that have just have been done so wrong or or just been treated like absolute shit or or whatever the case may be that that i'm looking at and going like that dude's a fucking idiot you know um 
and so immediately when I heard the song, I was like, this is incredible. And um, three, four years go by, and it's still not, you know, on hold or, you know, cut by a major, like, A-list act. And um, I just asked him one day, I was like, hey, man, um, what do you think about me cutting that song? And his response was probably, knowing Rhett, was probably something along the lines of, that's cool. <laughs> but like there's just a song yeah. sitting in my catalog yeah, nobody's cool. shown yeah, interest. He was probably he was probably like, Yeah, man, sure. Um but uh that's Rhett speak for dude, absolutely, man. Like you just gotta know, you know, um and what know did, him a little bit. But what, uh what did you put out before that song? Because that was out, the McElwain. That was those were the days when Matt when uh McElwain mm, was playing with you, right? Yeah, yeah. Um I think so. Um Kings of Friday Night, yeah. So that was uh, that was post Kings of Friday Night, but I think you were, yeah, shortly after. Um, but um, yeah, I'd put out the first single I'd ever released um, after moving to town. I put out a song called "Damn Good Kisser," and uh, then I released one that uh, I released "One Night Stand." I think was second. And uh, One Night Stand actually did decently well, I think, considering for where, how green I was and, and everything like that. And I wrote that with a girl named Rachel Farley, who's uh, really cool and, and have a really funny story, just a full circle story about even writing with her. And, and then our first ride ever, we wrote that song. And um, I think, yeah, Whoever Broke Your Heart was a follow-up from the Kings of Friday Night EP. And, and honestly, it was kind of wild because I th that was the first song, I think, that really took off, and what, you know, that what, I'd released that took off. And What was and, it? Yeah, right when you, fi right when you fired Yeah, I said, away. hey, Matt, it looks like I might be able to do this for a living, so scram. <laughs> back um, to your paper route, boy. Yeah, get, <laughs> go go back where you belong, sir. Um, <laughs> no, Matt Matt was such a good dude, and his work ethic was so respectable. I, that's was, why he lives it? in my house, is because I told him, I said, hey, man, you need to be in town. I need like I need you to be in town and I know you can't be in town right now. So I'm going to have to go a different route, but when cuz I knew it wasn't an if, I knew as much as hard as he worked like at his craft being a drummer and with his mentality and just I mean he's just a good dude like people people want to work with people like that. And yeah. I wanted to work with him, but it just, everybody else that I worked with in town was already in town. Yeah. It's and, the right place, right time. And just, yeah. I was like, but thing. man, when you move to Nashville, if you need a place to like whatever, and I can help in any way, I got you. And I ended up being in a position to be able to buy a house, um, you know, a few years back, maybe four years back or something, I started looking for my own house and um, 
and I bought a house that was honestly probably way too way more than I needed because at the time everybody had been saying, "Oh, when you have your own house, we're going to come visit all the time, like you know, family and all that fun stuff." But um, turns out it's like maybe once a year. So I basically have all these, or, and I say all these, but I had like you know three bedrooms that were just sitting there. Yeah. Um, and around that time, just with timing and everything, Matt was like, Hey man, I think I'm actually going to move up to Nashville. And I think he was like, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking I'm moving up here in March. Does that offer still stand? And I was like, absolutely, man, come by the house and see if it's something you, you know, you're good with interested in or whatever. And, uh, I think him and Terry came by and, and, you know, much like every time I see Terry, I thought I was being robbed, but then I saw Matt. So I knew it was okay. (laughs) Um, <laughs> but, um, and he didn't move up in March. So I was like, I guess he's not moving no, up. And he, then he, took, and he, then he just randomly, yeah. Then randomly, like if, I don't know, four or five months later, he was like, oh, I'm moving up next month. <laughs> I was like, well, come on, man. Um, but yeah, I'd give him my word, but it wasn't, you know, it was just, I, I believe in his work ethic and, and just his attitude and, um, you know, and and you, they're you know they're killing it right now and stuff. So yeah, dude. I couldn't be more stoked. I hadn't got my bird dog fee or anything. Like I, I feel like I should be getting slightly paid on you know back end for technically scouting McElwain out, but it's whatever. <laughs> you know, I'll take I'll take training him up. Um, yeah. So so whoever broke your heart comes out. What year? 16, 17? No, I think it was towards the end of two thousand seventeen. Towards the end of seventeen, mm-hmm. and again, and I I bring up the whole Alabama kind of scene, like just because that's just a common talking point yeah. here. And you were, you were there for a lot of that stuff. Like at that point, Riley's doing his thing. Yeah. Um, I think Riley's first like show in that we, I think we co-build that together. Yeah. And then Char- Charlie, and- yeah. And Charlie and Gary with Musket, I'm port swing angels yeah. doing its thing. Um, you've got the, the, the Luke Combs train is going, going mm-hmm. at that point. Like yeah. the, the moderate, what we see, even Wallen's got his first EP out, like every, all the stuff of what we see now, like it's yeah. really getting the ball rolling and you were around that you were, you were part of that. Like yeah. th- those early days of the Alabama scene, like what was it like to just be in a, be in a community that was just going boom when all you guys are really getting your start? It's crazy because you don't realize you're there at the time. You know, you don't realize what you're in at the time. Really, honestly, like in that moment, you know, you're you're talking about days where, you know, Riley was a guy that was just off a reality TV show. You're talking about Muscadine, who had just decided to be Muscadine. Like they had just yeah, they decided were Gary to and be Charlie a, for years. Yeah, they had just decided to be a duo. I didn't know him before. I met actually. I think I. I want to say I met Charlie before they were a duo, but I met him in Nashville, and he, I don't even know if he lived here yet. Um, and, you know, I'd been here maybe a year or so, um, but I, I, rem- I met him at a writer's round or something. And, you know, but those dudes, like, at this time, like, there's nothing really going on for anybody in this industry. So you don't really realize you're looking at, you know, I remember, like, back in those days, Luke Combs' car, um, his car didn't have heat. My car didn't have AC. 
So we like when we would do anything like around the you know go and hang out together because we like, there was a big group of people that kind of ran in the same crowd and, and stuff and you know you kind of plan it I try to plan it out between like hey man if it's hot outside we're taking yours and if it's cold we'll take mine yeah <laughs> like so these were those days where you like you knew the talent was there right like I don't think anybody's ever heard Luke Combs sing and not gone. What were well, what were what were the but, rounds at that point? Because like I know revival was a thing. Revival then. was huge. Threesome was it? Threesome Thursdays. Was that it? was that that was Randy Randy? Yeah, that was like round. Poorhouse, I think. Or was it? it or might oh, no, be, what was might it called? Blue Bar. Blue Bar. The uh, one across from Winners and Losers. That's now the mm, fucking taco place. So, or it might have been Poorhouse. It was. It might have been Broadway so, Brew House. I think the first threesome Thursdays that that I remember, and I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure it was like so. There's Frugal McDougals, right? There's a liquor store, and it's like. It might be like a some kind of a chicken place or something. Yeah, party um, fouls right there. But it's across like so you got party foul and then it was the right kind of right across like. Yeah, now right it's there. now it's um, Fat Cat Slims, I think. Yeah, that that was the place that I think the first. That's I think if I'm not mistaken, might have been where I met Charlie. Oh Monk no had a threesome Thursday thing uh, that was like a riders round. Yeah, and, and why not was doing there was doing. I don't know that, that they point. were yet. Or they weren't. Oh, mm. That was even before that. No, I think that was before why not and um, all that. But it was just crazy because, like you said, like at that time you don't know, like you don't know that Riley's about to take like. But you you know you got to see how it started like you got to see all these things start and and be in around all that like you know Muscadine was playing any and everywhere. Well, yeah, like, I mean that's they part were playing. Of their, they were they were their, doing part of their strategy of part of the strategy, and this is like a good tip for a lot of people starting out. Even if you're just doing the the cover, it's like the flyers are so important, and they did such a good job of that early on of posting. Hey, look at all these shows we're doing. Right, and Jim, but they were, but they were doing stuff like they were. They were also I, like I got to give those dudes credit. They were doing any and everything like to make it work. Like they would get like they would have a a small bar gig. Well, they late were just, at night, they were but they would they would have a private. They would do a private like wedding thing. Yeah. Like they would do a wet like you know stuff like that. And it might not have been wedding specifically, but they'd be doing like a like oh we're gonna go do this private thing. And they were just yeah. freaking burning up the yeah, road. driving Which up the down in their in their in the avalanche. Yeah, and and Trey, like you know, Trey kind of did that similar thing. Like they're those y'all. I mean, they what was the place called? You you remember it by name? It's TP Millers. Yeah, TP Millers. Well, like they Miller's were playing TP Millers it, it, to fill a date. Like they were just that's how. Yeah, it was there four, was like hey four, four hour cover gigs a week. Yeah, and they, and I know for a fact one of those shows was literally me and the three people that came with me, and then. A woman who's been around since the first Harley Davidson and has not stopped riding Harley Davidson since. And, you know, but that's what it like. Look at where they're at now. Look at where that that project is right now. Look at where Muscadine Camp is right now. Like, look at where Riley is right now. Like, it's just really cool to see because a lot of people don't get to see that, you know, like those people, like a, a lot of people don't that, you know, are when when they're you guys are selling out shows like when with Trey Lewis, right? That's what they're seeing. But they didn't see the T P Miller days. But yeah. but the beautiful thing about this industry is like 
the nine times out of ten, those shows are what makes the person that you see on stage. Yeah, like the ab- band, absolutely. the person. Um, but sure. so you, but you don't realize that's what you're seeing. Like when I was sitting in the crowd at um, TP Miller's and and Trey was like get up and sing with us, get up and sing. That ain't my truck. Get up and sing, you know, something with us and, and stuff like that. And I, and I remember going like, man, I don't even know if I can breathe from this one, the, the one other lady that's chain smoking over here. Like I'm yeah, my second, hand, my lungs smoky. are, yeah. Um, but, uh, like, so you don't realize how cool it is to get to, be you know around stuff like that yeah, and no, see where it goes yeah, at that at that time was yeah. there was did you guys have a chip on your shoulder come from alabama seeing what all the georgia guys were doing across the border no was there I, was there was there a rivalry ever between the alabama guys and the georgia guys because uh, everybody's talking georgia this georgia that you had four-wheel drive and i love all the guys that are a yeah, part of that yeah. and you had like George, like everybody talks Georgia, 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 Georgia. Yeah, Georgia. Meanwhile, you go across, you take I twenty, yeah. you go across the border. There's a lot of shit happening mm-hmm. in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Well, I there wasn't there wasn't for me, especially like at all around that time, because I the guy that brought me up here, Georgia guy, um, my best friend in town for the first you know few years I lived here, Georgia guy. Um, who was that? John Langston. Who's yeah. you know he's killing it. He's he's he was killing it at the time, and he and he does his thing. And um, the first country show, like actual, that I feel like is uh, legit enough to call a country show that I got to be a part of, was opening for John Langston, and it was his. I think that was his first full band show. Where was and, that at? And that was in Tifton, Georgia. It, oh it, yeah, we got to talk about Tifton. Oh man, we're gonna talk about good because I'm about to tell the world now. Nah, um, but it was the Gin at the time. Yeah, and JD JD. Yeah, JD um, JD was running things down there, and I think that was the moment I knew that no matter what this industry throws at me, this is what I want. And so I don't think there's there was a chip on my shoulder from the Georgia perspective of things. Well, I'm just saying collectively as a group, well, well, like you guys yeah, are just but, hearing all this stuff. Well, like, yeah, but I wasn't like at the time. Like my first bit into the music industry was when I got here. Like I'd ne- I don't think I'd ever co-written before till I was under a deal and moved here. Um, and and frankly, I probably didn't deserve that deal. Um, what was who so, was the who was the deal with? It was Sony ATV at the time. Oh, no with, shit. Yeah, with a co-venture with Rhett. Um, and uh, they took a huge chance on me because Rhett believed in me. And, um, you know, like, but I was so clueless when I got here. So I didn't know, even realize, you know, that there was, there was this, you know, Georgia thing or whatever. But I will give the Georgia people credit, man. They, they do, um, they... St- they lift each other up like like crazy, you know, like they if you're f- from Georgia, you're automatically a part of that scene and they're trying to help you. Like when one of them gets here, you the ne- the guy the, the guy that's here, the guy, you know, like so guy one's up here and guy two from Georgia is here. This guy's going to try to bring him up and then if this guy passes, they just constantly yeah. so you got to give like it's. I make jokes all the time when people are like, "Oh, I'm from Georgia." I'm like, "Oh, cool. What record deal did you sign the first day you got here?" Because <laughs> it just seems like those dudes are killing it. Um, and and it's a joke I make, but 
but I also see why. Like, could, dude, could, they, the, could the Alabama, could that be a thing with an Alabama artist? I think it should be. Because there's a whole new crop of young folks yeah. coming up. You see Man, what, there's, you see there's what, so many cool dudes. Like, um, I've, you know, heard about like the, these dudes coming up. You got um, like this Blaine Rudd kid that's killing it. And I don't even think he lives here yet. Um, but it seems like every time I'm talking to people, because I'm still close with people back home, yeah. you know, from Alabama and stuff. Like some of my my best friends, you know, from day one, like day one when I was a kid that I'm still very close with. Like these, the, the, they're talking about this guy and, and he's from Alabama, right? Yeah, Blaine Blaine still lives in Alabama. And yeah. he's, what's funny is you rewind back. Blaine yeah. used to play a lot of those Skybar cover games. I've never with, met him with with Char- with Charlie yeah. before Charlie and Gary linked okay. up. So Blaine's been around for yeah. a while, but like I'm talking like like Justin Holt, Stimmy yeah, Jimmy, Justin. I was Ella, about to say you Ella, got Ella, Justin, Ella Langley, Ella slaying, crushing it right now. Right now. You Absolutely got Joy Joy Beth Taylor yeah. who's writing hit after hit right now. Mm-hmm. You've got what the Shackleford Lane boys are doing. You've yeah. got I mean Clay um, Barker. Clay you Barker. Got- You've got um who was that dude that opened for us McElwain in Mobile? I forget exactly what his name was. It was a dude. He's big in the South Alabama. Bruce Smelly coming up out of uh, Mobile right now. And, I mean, it just seems like there's there's, there's the guys and girls that, that have gotten up to that level. And that's what's cool about, like, seeing yeah. what Trey's done. Like, he's brought – he's brought. Um, yeah. Ella, I mean, we, Ella did a ton of dates with us last year. Yeah. Justin Holt did quite a few with us last year. Clay mm-hmm. did quite a few. But there is that that kind of that kind of uh, cool community. So mm. whoever broke my heart, com- whoever broke your heart, excuse me, yeah. who broke heart, your heart? Lots of people, broke, <laughs> lots, of, lots of lots of people broke my heart. Same, um, bro. Same. But um, so that comes out 2017. Mm. So from from what was that reaction like? Was it like initial like this song started changing things, or was yeah. it something that took a little bit? Was no, it something it, that it over time did. continued to grow? Like it honestly did. It it I been touring with it before it came out for probably a year like i knew when i the moment i found out like i'm for sure like i'm i got the green light i'm getting like i'm cutting this song i started playing it out immediately and so i think that helped a lot you know obviously people people responded to it before it was ever out so they were anticipating it and everything like that and um I think within maybe the first, you know, few months, two to three months, like it, we were, I think it was over a million streams, which, which at, that which time at the time huge. for me was like, oh my gosh, yeah. like and a this, million. And, this, and you just have a publishing. And that was just point. like on Spotify alone. Yeah. Like, so that was, I don't know what the full numbers were doing on everything, but, you know, Spotify is a lot easier to read. Uh, and I don't even know if they had their own. You had an artist page at the time. I don't if, think if you did. did yeah. I didn't have one, yeah. so I would have to go look. You know, I'd have to Google myself or Spotify myself like a narcissist to see what it was doing. But um, yeah, I, I was just like, oh my gosh, that's insane. And then um, the life of that song is insane to me. It's still, it's still going. Like it's still going, and it's been, you know. How many years? Like, like, so let's just say, yeah, it's basically up on 2018. Like, I mean, seven, late 17, so 18, 19, 20, you know, four or five years, something yeah. like that. So, did you feel like an added pressure um, Abs- following up? Yeah, absolutely. I did. I felt a, I felt a lot of pressure, and and you know, we we had a lot of catalog, like a lot of catalog, even at that time, and and my mentality was, 
okay, we gotta we gotta keep rolling off of this and and unfortunately the um the team that I had placed or and, and that's all on me, but the team that I kinda had around me at that point um didn't didn't really feel this the same. Um and so there was like a lag period. That's what I was going to bring up because I've because I've yeah. noticed that like, it's not like you haven't put out song. You put out blue lights. You put out some other some other yeah, songs. Yeah, and that's that's been like after that team that team thing shifted to where it was like, okay, this isn't like this this strategy that that I'm following on on you know a particular person's lead is like, this just isn't working for me. And and there was a lot, there was some other stuff that, you know, there was just, man, I just felt like there was a time there was, there were bridges burned. There were, there was just not a lot going on when we had a lot going on what that, was, that what, should have been. What but was, what was it? What was, what was that period like? Like, cause that's, for me, it was very frustrating, but at the same time, I have nobody to blame, but me like, and, and what that took it? some growing up to it was me thinking that the the people in my corner at that time wanted the bet like wanted and I'm not saying that they didn't but it was more so I think they were at that time in over their head and I was looking that's who I was looking to for direction because that's what their role was supposed to be. And so when they would say, this is the call that we need to make, this is what we need to do, it, it, it goes back to me once again. It's all that, that time period before it sounds like I'm playing the blame game because at the end of the day, the decisions, whether wherever they came from, landed in my lap, and, but I was just listening to what everybody was telling me to do. Like, so if, if they were saying, hey, don't release music, f like, we don't need to release this song right now. We don't really need to release these songs right now. They weren't letting you be the I CEO. Wanted to, they weren't letting you be the CEO of your own business. Well, I shouldn't even say let, because it, once again, it goes back to me, but it was me not, not following my gut, which I, I've learned is honestly, is... Uh, you know, as a writer, an artist, or, or any of those things um, is a big part of, I think, you know, so a big part of that is to just follow your gut. Like, and you're going to make mistakes along the way, but at least, you know, looking back, I, the, I wish they would have been my mistake, like me making the mistakes, you know, directly me and not just being like, okay, I'm trusting that this is the right decision because somebody else is telling me this is what needs to happen. And like I said, man, there were, there was a lag period of a, a super unreasonable lag period of, of time. Were you touring releases. at this? Were you touring at this time or like, what was your uh, yeah, show situation? We, we like? were. And then, and then the, you know, at the time, they they also the people that were that were booking shows they they weren't they I think that they were ended up being right and a lot smarter than than I was and had kind of told me hey you know this particular part of your team because um, I'm not going to say that was everybody and 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 this and that because at the end of the day my 
worst enemy at that time was me. I didn't know it yet, but it was me because I wasn't going, Hey, no, this is what my gut's telling me. This is what I think. Um, and so they didn't, you know, they didn't want to work with a particular part of that team. One side didn't. And so we started getting a little less and a little less on the touring side of things, or less offers. And, and at, we were still the, touring. At that, and, at that point, were you going around the country or was it still regionally in the Southeast? No, we were going, I mean, we, it was predominantly Southeast stuff, but you know, we, we were like McElwain, we, we went to Virginia. We went to, uh, you know, I was, I did, I was up in Delaware. Did, did you do any opening slots? Yeah. Yeah. Those were, um, well, well, I'm saying, I'm saying like going on tour with like going on, like, did you ever go out on a tour? No, we didn't do so. We didn't get um, it. Kind of got everything. Kind of blew up before those were like there was a tour, but we we had really good. Festival like we had some really good like that. opening slots, and, and some of them were last minute things. Like I think I got called for one. It, it might have been like a Tuesday, and they're like, "Hey, we need you at this date in Virginia um, on Friday," and. So there's like, you know, scrambling to make sure everything's good to go for that. And, and, uh, you know, yeah. And I had rehired him. I was like, Hey, I need, <laughs> I need you back. Mac, when I know I fired you. No, I've, I hate that word when you use it. I've, I have had your parted ways. I and have, then you got yeah, back I here and now he's, to, and now, and now yeah. he's your landlord and babysitter when I'm not with exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> I I've had to fire people. I don't like to say that when it comes to McElwain. I <laughs> had to part ways at the time because because moments like that where there would be shows like, hey, we need this last minute. Well, we got to run a rehearsal. We have to, you know, there's a lot of things that go into shows, as, as you guys know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not that I got to give him credit. He always found a way to make it work. But at the time, it was like, just a little too hectic when you know because i don't i'm how far is selma it's far enough okay so far enough so everybody but one guy has to drive like everybody's driving 15 20 minutes tops to rehearse and then but then we got this guy just having to drive you know yeah 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 yeah. i I totally get that so where's so where's your head at now because you're getting ready to put out the new song that's dropping here soon. Like you're, you're writing your ass off. Like yeah. you're, you're working. Like I feel like, and again, I've just gotten to meet you over the last, I've really gotten to know you over the last six, seven months, but right. gotten to know you very familiar with you over like the last year. And it seems like you're back on, you're, you're in a really good place right now. Like Man. things are starting to happen uh, yeah. again. And, and the Murphy Elmore that this town believed in and was like, Hey, get your ass up here is back. I think, yeah, it was. Uh, I think we're just getting started. Well, that, well, that's just it. Like, how does it feel to 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 have gotten yeah. through that lull? Like, sometimes you got you got to go through and you got to you got to grow up and learn from your experiences. Right. How, do, we're, how does yeah. it feel right now? Right now, it feels great, man. Like I'm sitting here, um, like the new song that's coming out, and I couldn't be more proud. I when I got the master back. Um, I don't think I've ever been as excited about a song, like a song. And then, you know, we're already cutting, we're in the, already in the studio. Like I was out, I was working till almost 10 o'clock last night. We were working on some of these new songs 
and it just feels good to be that excited and also that confident in in what we're doing and I think just to be honest like and a lot of it's come from making those mistakes right yeah, and you have learning to learn. and you learn, man. like I'm one of those people that apparently learns bet like when I succeed it's because I failed 10 times before but finally figured it like I'm a stubborn person but yeah but same, man, man and same. honestly it comes down to to also like it it comes down to more than just me in the aspect of you know I'm working with people that I'm fans of you know whether it be as writers whether it be as whatever the scenario is but also like people that are truly believe in what you know what I wanted and and what I see and what my vision is for, for what I want this to be and what I have wanted this to be that was always a fight before, but the, the team that, you know, and, and the places, the pieces that are coming together recently has just, it's been like, here we go. Like, this is where we've been, you know, and, and it, like I said, there was a lot of mistakes and a lot of missteps along the way to get here, but, Honestly, it kind of where I feel like I'm at right now and what we're about to bring um, and what we're about to be able to let people see here and let people in on, I mean, personally speaking, I think, I just think it's it's about to really shock some people. And, and, right, and, and, and I couldn't be more excited and proud and, and just yeah. thankful for the people, you know, um, the people that are, that are with me and that are, that are also kind of helping guide me, but they're guiding me and helping, they're but all, they're, they're also, offering, they're offering their resources and you're, you're the brains, like they're there. But they're also, they, they trust like where I'm at and trust what, you know, where my head is. More of a and collaborative now, effort and, than what you and had And so before. now it's like, instead of, no, this is what we should do. We should do it this way. And and at the time years ago, me just being like, oh, okay, well, if that's what you say, we should do it that way. I guess maybe I don't think that's the right way, but you you sh- your your job is to know that better than I do. That's not the approach with with where we're at. It's more so, hey, I've got advice. I've got this is what I can offer, but this is yours. Like this is your lane, and we're here to help. Like we're here to help and. And I think that's, you know, a big part of what it is. Like, you know, like you guys have a camp, like y'all's camp, right, is cohesive, if if that makes sense. Like, it builds upon builds upon builds. Like, you know, it's a really strong camp. It's a really tight-knit camp, where, but everybody has the same goal. Yeah. Everybody has the same vision, the same goal, and and that's what, you know, I feel like, I've had pieces of throughout. There's always been a piece of it. Like with, like with Rhett there, he was that piece, but there weren't those other pieces all working together. It was like this, this was, you know, over here. And then there was all this other aspect of that world, but this part of that world was here. But when it starts all coming together and everybody is on the same page, um, it just is a different feeling like man i'm excited 
when, you know, when even like social media, like I'm excited to post stuff. I'm excited. Yeah, and social media is so huge. And I think right now it's going to give you like, and don't take this the wrong way, but it is like a, like a second life right now. Yeah, you had it, your, it is. It's you had, become so huge. Because you had your yeah. shit pop those years ago and now you're getting a chance to to really get back out there do what you fucking want to do right and now there's all these different things because back then vine was a thing and you were around a lot of guys i wasn't yeah i was around a lot of the vine people around a lot i of was right i came in right at the death of vine yeah you were yeah. you like you saw what taylor Ray did you saw what luke did. yeah you but saw my buddies did. like my friend like so i had two of my really good friends around that time um John and Luke, they had done crazy things on Vine, and that translated to when yeah, Instagram started yeah, and popping now, off. And, and now we've and now we've got this we've two word got, called TikTok, yeah, which is longer form Vine and, and and something that yeah. I don't understand. Obviously, I'm a big fan of it because uh, it, it is. It I is don't changed. understand it either. It I'm changed, trying real it, hard. It has changed <laughs> my life tremendously. It's changed the lives of yeah. a lot of folks around me. But I feel like, and even now with Spotify, with the way playlisting works, and this, that, and the other thing. If there's a time for an independent to pop and to really see growth and to be able to get fans in different markets, like part of the reason I think you were touring the Southeast so much is because that's that's all you really could do. It was hard to get someone from Omaha, Nebraska to know who the fuck Murphy Omaha was. Right. Now you got people listening from all over the world that know your songs. They don't they don't just know the big one because if they're listening to that, it's gonna jump to the other songs that you've right. got out. And it's gonna promote this new one that you've got coming. And right. yeah. I mean, man, I'm I'm just really fucking excited for you because there's there's I can I can just see this this energy that's coming out right now. You've got a crew of co-writers that it seems like you're really like BD, Brian Davis, oh, for man. example. Yeah, and he produces he's 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 one of the ones that like you know was somebody i looked up to for a long time and and when i got to write with him for the first time it was like a you know hard and hard not to fangirl a little bit and be like and I'm getting right with this guy because I, I was such a fan of him I, I grew, as a writer i grew up listening to songs that this guy wrote yeah me one too of those and then and then come to find out like on top of that he's one of the best dudes just yeah. nicest guys um, but also just as somebody to look up to, man. And he's a big part of, you know, of part of my team right now that, and he's been there since, you know, I basically was like, Hey, this, this other stuff isn't working. We cut ties with, you back know, to the drawing board, back to the drawing board, like, that I'm not doing what I even want to be doing in this industry. One, it's not working, and two, and, I don't want to be doing it. Right, that's a tough and, place to be. Right, and then the sec, like, and it wasn't about I don't want to be doing music. Like I love me, like it's there. Like there's nothing that I want to do more than sing country music, play country music, write country music, and it, there's just nothing that compares to that for me. It's but there's something wrong when something that you're so passionate about becomes a negative feeling for a time. And yeah. then, so it was like, like you said, back to the drawing board, Brian came, um, we had written a couple songs together. We got along really well um, and all that, but, you know, he kind of was like, pitched the idea he's like man what do you what do you think about maybe me working with you like is from a producer standpoint and and i was such a fan of his it wouldn't i was you know we didn't there was no business i was like yep nope for sure yeah absolutely um so but you know the 
we've released a few songs that uh, I think four that you know he was a he was a producer on co-producer on um and you know I I look back on those and and I don't have any regrets whatsoever um but we hit our we found like we found we and it takes time you know working with people and and but we just got to where not that I'm I'm very proud of the stuff that we've put to get put out working together um but when I tell you I heard the master for this next song and then the roughs of the songs we're already working to get done to follow this next one you find it click like when it just clicks and he understands where I'm at perfectly I understand you know where he's at and we have that just cohesion that's important and man, it's everything. I gotta tell you I've you know I've been I've been in this town for seven years and he's been in this town double that time if not longer he's been in yeah he's been in town for a long time and he's been killing it but um but I've had some really cool stuff happen while I've been here you know but I can honestly say I've never been more excited about what I get to do and excited for people to get to hear what is about to you know what what's about to be going on yeah like when he, when i he, wake up dude i just wake up and i'm pumped up yeah, i'm do you, yeah, do you trying miss, to do, do you miss doing shows as much as you were doing them? dude i'm when, are, are we getting murky yeah. on more shows soon like 100 be able to yeah. go somewhere i mean i probably won't because i'm out in the road doing doing the doing the damn thing too but like yeah. will people get to experience a murphy elmore show again 100 man that's because that's something i want for you too right. is i want to see you out there doing your fucking thing dude that's where, you're good that's well thanks man that's where I, that's my comfort zone is to be to be out there and to be on a stage that's where i feel like it really comes together for me. Um, and we, you know, we had a decision to make, um, cause co like, and I hate to even throw the word out, but COVID jacked a lot of stuff up as far as that we had on the books. And, and even this year, which I thought was over, like we had dates, you know, we had dates that they ended up going, Hey, we're, you know, it'd be, this place or that place being like, Hey, we don't know if we're going to be able to do this. So what we decided to do or what I decided to do was, all right, I want to be on the road. That's where I want to be. But while this is, I want to build what I'm excited about and make sure that it's, you want to be touring this new music. I want to be touring this new music. Yeah. And so when we hit the road again, I don't, I want it to be, like I want to hit it hard. Like yeah. I want to be out wherever, whenever. Where's a place that you've played that you're excited to go back? Where you're like, I can't wait for the for the go to this town. Probably a college town because, be honest, those Man. are a lot of fun. Where's yeah. the college town where you're like, I can't wait to go in there and let this new shit rip? Man, that's a tough dude. That's a tough question. I'll be honest with you. Um, I want to get back. I want to get back to Tuscaloosa, something fierce. Um, that that place will always hold a spe like a, a special place in my heart. Georgia, I love love playing in Georgia, Tifton, South Carolina, Statesboro, man, yeah. South Carolina. I 
I loved, like, I love South Carolina, um, playing in South Carolina, um, Starkville. I want to go like Vegas. Yeah, man, dude. There's so many places that that I've gotten to play, whether it be as a headliner or as an opener. That the fan base is like it's a that's a really tough question because honestly, there's so many places that people are awesome, man. Like, do you get messages like, "Hey, when are you come and like?" I do. I'm sure you. Florida. Been, I'm sure Florida's those, a big one. I'm sure you've been getting those for years now. Yeah. Too, with yeah. Like, you talk absolutely. about that kind of drop where you've got mm-hmm. your own shit going on behind the scenes where you're like, it's may not be the right might not be the right time, and right. then COVID hits you in the midst of that. But I'm sure a lot of the diehard fans that I remember seeing at the Musket Eye merch table, that I see at the Trey Lewis merch table, that are that are that are ride or die with a lot of the acts coming up at that time, like the like the Brandy Hewitts, the Lauren Farr, like the like those people, yeah. just, they were supporting you those day ones, yeah. and then you go back out there, they're gonna yeah. they're gonna be there. And for the record, like those those people, like those types of people, are the reason that even when things weren't like when I was frustrated about not how things were going or because even when like in a crazy way, some at, at the time at our most, I guess, you know, popular point for that song for whoever broke when it was like at its peak, like behind the scenes, I'm frustrated, like not frustrated with how that's going or frustrated with what we're doing out on the road, but just with some team, like team placement and stuff like that and you know there's there's two things that because i think anybody if there anybody in this town as an artist uh, is being honest or songwriter is being honest there are days and i don't care how good things are going there are days when you have to focus on your reasons for being here you have to count them you have to count them on your hand yeah and people like that and the pat like the passion I have for it, but people like that that are those ride or die fans, big worm baby. I can't yeah. let them pe- like I, I'm like I mean I ain't letting them down. Yeah, like 100%. I don't care come hell or high water. I don't care if this takes me till I'm 40 years old. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to because they believe they don't have they don't have to believe in me. They don't have to go listen to my music. They don't have to support me and come out to these shows. They don't have to do all this stuff, right? They don't know like they don't they don't have any stake in me outside of them just supporting me. So I refuse to throw a hissy fit and be like, well, I had a bad day. I'm not doing any, you know, or I had a you know a a malfunction with you know the people around me or the circle that um as far as team and and it it just nothing it, it wasn't perfect every single day like so I'm done like no I refuse so and I think that's you know you have to get that like you the people that last in this town are the people that get like you have to sometimes you have to find those reasons and and that's still even where I'm at right now, like being so excited. You couldn't get me out of this town or out of this industry right now with a tank. Like you, hey man, you, let's you, go. You that's come in, we're like you, for you better, there. you come with all you got and I ain't moving, oh, yeah. now, but those people are still a part of that. Yeah, yeah. Those people are still a reason so, for that. Even so outside of so I got to wrap outside. up with, with some, with some questions right here. Why, wildest moment in Tifton, Georgia. Oh man. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know if I can say one. Yeah, you can. This is the um, In The Round podcast. You can say whatever the fuck you want. I'm on stage, and... And this is the gin or terminal? This is terminal. I'm on stage. There's a fight about to break out. There's... Boobs are out, which helps save second base. We're here for the tatas. Um, but boobs are out on one side. There's a fight about to go on here, and there's a projectile vomit happening all simultaneously, all at different points in this crowd. And it was literally like, you know, when you're playing and you're singing and you get lost in that moment. Like for me, at least I get lost in that moment, but every now and then I crowd watch, like I'm a people watcher too. And it was like, look left fight about to break out. Look middle titties. (laughs) Look right. Somebody is like, like, you know, like a bobblehead over there and just boom. And I, I remember being in the middle of a song and it was everything in me. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know whether to laugh. Cry. I didn't know what to whether do. To, just like, whether to draw attention to it, whether to yeah, just like, play cool, too not much, There was nothing. just too much going on simultaneously. It was like they were on, it was like, an, like they were all on a time, like everybody's alarm on their phone just went off. Like yeah. it's time, you know, but, and I've seen some of that go on, um, I've seen all of those things happen, but simultaneously, like like it was on a timer. That's a I moment. think that yeah. was the stars aligned for the yeah. It was shit just show. like like <laughs> I mean, it was like somebody snapped their fingers and all these people reacted. Yeah, and I've seen bits and pieces of all that. Um, yeah, shout out Tifton, Georgia. We love yeah, you, Sonny, and the crew there. Terminal it's, it's a spot that has been a staple on the circuit mm-hmm. forever. Um, and yeah, another thing we got to ask that's you. That's a rowdy group of people, man. I love it down yeah, there. South Georgia, there ain't those. much to do but drink, fight, and fuck. So there's a reason that yep. Tifton, Statesboro, and RIP Valdosta. There's a reason I can sell tickets down there. <laughs> there's nothing. No, no, man. Those people genuinely, like, they uh, they love country music, man, and they show up for they show up for people whether they know who they are or they – they just they just do and they get rowdy. I yeah, love they it. do. I love um, those, we're about to be um, which you hooked hooked um, old TL up uh, with, and I guess me and Alex and McElwain over there too, with yeah. your buddy Red the Red Rocket um, and the Red yeah. Rocket. Which Red Rocket means something if you're a dog owner. Red Rocket in this case means something different. Um, talk yeah. about Rev, um, the bus driver. What do we have to look forward to? Because we're going out with him starting next week. Well, first of all. I'm not fully sure he knows that's his nickname. Um, so if somebody slips and calls him Rev, try to come up with an excuse of why. But I'm pretty sure that that bus somehow teleports places because d- dudes drive, like, he'll get you where you're going. What's his actual name again? Greg. Greg. Yeah, Greg. And he's, and he's, and he's a, an Alabama boy as he's well. He's an Alabama boy, and he's... He's one of a kind. Let me tell you, that dude has got some stories, man. And and don't worry, you're gonna hear them all. Whether we're, prob- you we're probably ask gonna or not. make some. We're with him for like a month, or he's with yeah. us for like a month. Oh, you're gonna make some. He's and he's uh, he's good people, man. Like he's good people. Um, but it's kind of like being on a roller coaster if when you're awake on on the Red Rocket, like. I'll tell you this, we, uh, so as you guys know, we were on the bill with y'all, like the Rock the South yep. bill we were all on, and, and um, we left out 
our bus call that morning was super early. I think we were wheels wheels out by six a.m. So bus loaded, everybody on gear, gear and crew, band crew all on bus by six a.m. Wheels rolling, because um, we were originally thinking we, you know, we had to be sound checking. I think at ten or load in, load in was ten. Um, and I was like, well, we need to be wheels rolling by six because we're in a bus and it takes me three hours to get towards that part of the world in my truck. So we're on a, I mean, I don't even know how big the buses are, but they're, I mean, it's a full on tour bus. Like yeah. they don't, they're not breaking land speed records. Yeah. Unless Rev's driving. Um, yeah. Because dude, I'm not kidding you. I. Is he a rumble strip guy? Yeah, that's where Rev comes from. Hey, let's go. I, I know I know some guys in our crew that are gonna be very excited about that. I'm looking forward to that. Um, Can't but, wait. Yeah. Yeah, I remember we <laughs> and this situation's happened a lot, but I remember um that's an early morning for me, usually. Um How is he with driving through the night? Because we've got him oh, on some night drives. I've never it's He's gonna get you there. Like you're getting there, and you're gonna get there way faster than you anticipate it. But you're gonna get there. Fine. Like he's a he's great, man. He's my favorite. Well, that's of all what I'm time, saying. Like overnight, like if there's nobody else on the road, like because I, I'm our driver. Yeah, in unless the van. unless you're woken up by like sounds, you know. Oh, unless rumble, you're woken up by <laughs> in the bunk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's occasionally that, but you know, surprisingly, it's a pretty peaceful ride, and and. I don't know something about at this point that sound of it's just puts soothing. me yeah, out. It's yeah. the sound of diesel and that. And it's like um, sleeping. It's like growing up next to a train track. Yeah. And the um, but yeah, we, I got woke up to the bus stop and, and shortly after I'd fallen asleep, what seemed like shortly after. And I remember I looked at my phone because I was like, Oh, we're here. That's why the bus is stopping. And I looked at my phone. It was 8 a.m. Like, on the dot, 8 a.m. Like, oh, we we must have stopped if, if like for fuel something. There's there's no way. Um, but I decided to crawl out of like get out of the bunk anyway. So I get out of the bunk and uh, oh, I, I had to piss. So I go to the I go to the front lounge, like the bathrooms and the you got to go towards the front yeah. lounge. And I open the door. And I see the stage out of the front window of the bus. And we're already parked the whole nine. It's, if I'm moving in my truck, that's a two and a half hour drive. If I'm yeah. moving, we got a tour. My guy gets a tour bus there in two hours flat. Yeah. Like, no, it's impressive. Just, I'm excited to see because we've got some long drives coming up with him. So, yeah. so let's talk about this um, about this new song you got coming out. Um, oh, man. It's called yeah. talk, talk You Out of... Talk You Into Staying. Talk You Into Staying. Not yeah. Talk You Out of Leaving, well, it's but kinda, Talk You Into Staying. It's kind of about talking somebody well, Matt, out of clothes. Well, so it kind of... You're not what, far wrong, but what, it's called what, Talk what You Into Staying. What Sweet Boy over here has to do at the bar every night. He has to talk them into staying by him, not leaving. And that's when he whips out the little hand and yeah, that's whips where down some fireball yeah and that there's chloroform on those little hands so y'all just be careful <laughs> yeah, i don't even think he i don't even think he knows where to get that shit so no. uh, but who'd you write no. the song with tell us the story about it um quick. i wrote that song with brian davis and mark Irwin. hell yeah um and both of those dudes are some heavy hitter songwriters but that was my first write with 
Mark Irwin ever, and uh, I remember I had this idea that I thought was, I was like, this is a hit song idea, right? Like, I was so juiced up about it. And I get there, it was like a Monday or Tuesday, right? And and um, I get there, and of course, I'm, I'm, I pitched that idea, right? I pitched the idea that I thought was this idea and and neither one of them responded really to it um they kept going like yeah what else we got um <laughs> so i was like well dang now i'm starting to get nervous because i'm a huge mark like mark irwin's got some i mean he's a he's a monster right yeah. like and, and brian's a monster but i've known brian for so long and we've been friends for so long yeah. the intimidating aspect of that is is not as much there because we've he know like I know he knows he's worked with me enough and and we're boys so um but this was my first time ever even semi kind of meeting Mark Irwin I was at Brian's house um we were writing in his studio but it had snowed and and Mark was kind of snowed in so he was writing on Zoom but so I th- like I'm not nervous at first because I come in with what I th- I come in with what I think is a hit idea and um it just didn't respond uh, yeah so how do you get to yeah. the, how do you get to the title so i th- i want to say it was either brian or it wasn't my title i will say that i know for sure i can't remember if it was brian or mark that said i got this idea talk you into staying but whenever as soon as they said it immediately it just starts shaping up and in my mind and then with those dudes on it man i think the song came together it came together super quick. I think may, maybe like probably of strict actual time writing we have in it, maybe an hour or 45 minutes to an hour of actually putting yeah. it together. It just came like I, awesome. the picture just immediately was clear of what, you know, what I, I wanted to say. And they were, that's where the page, we were all on the same page and it just came together. And those dudes, like I said, they're monsters, man, both of them. And, um, and it was just such a smooth write. And it was, you know, there's there's a lot of songs where you leave the room and you're like, man, I think we got a good one. That was one of the ones that I knew before we work taped it. I was like, I have to have this song. Oh, I yeah. want this song. I have to have this song. And um, so Brian did did a demo and we lived with it for, for a little while um, just, to, just to be sure. Um, you know, just to try to objectively make sure that it was still everything that we all thought it was the day yeah. we wrote it. And it, it just never, never, like it kept standing up to every, like every standard that we've, you know, we decided to put ourselves to where we feel like we should be and yeah. what we should be doing and releasing. And it's a, you know, it's, it's a higher standard and I'm the one of the, it's one of the things I'm excited about for, for me personally, in my opinion of some of, you know, I shouldn't say some of the work in the past, but just to make sure that this is where I want to go. This is where it's going. And it stood, it stood up to it and stood up to it and stood up to it. So, and, and like I said, walking out of that, right. Was, uh, this is, I gotta, ha- I have to have this song oh, yeah. and and that's awesome. so it's been a, you know, it's been a, 
it's been a fairly easy decision on this. And um, and the first of a few you got coming, right? Oh, man. That's awesome, dude. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm man. stoked. Well, the song comes there's out. About, there's about two albums worth that <laughs> that are like, and that's not how we're going to do, you know, we're going to do some EP, like singles and EP stuff. But uh, there's there's probably, we're sitting on about two full albums of co- like catalog content yeah. that, that I'm awesome. as excited about. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm, well, I'm proud of you and happy, happy to see you doing what man, you're doing, I bro. That, man. And super stoked. Where can people go to find you? Anywhere and everywhere Instagram, TikTok, um, Facebook pages, Spotify. I mean, you know, our music's on every digital platform spotify oh, yeah. apple music amazon pandora um all the ones that i probably might not even know about yeah, off the top of there. my head limewire um, myspace napster if we made it to myspace <laughs> if we went back in time to myspace i'm i'm not gonna lie i'm gonna be psyched i don't yeah. i don't know if that's even still like a running i'm website, sure i'm but, sure it's still out there dude but man um, this this was a pleasure to Pleasure dude, I'm so here, stoked y'all finally had me, man. I was telling uh, McElwain earlier, I was like, you know, not to fan like to fangirl out too hard, but there's very like I love podcasts when I love podcasts, right? But I'm for some reason unrightfully probably a very harsh cri- like critic of podcasts. So, um, but I was telling him, and, and it's the genuine truth. Like I love watching this podcast and like listening. Appreciate I was like, you that. You never bro. know. I love that it's. Re- I feel like it's never just like, oh, this is what we're gonna say. This is how we're gonna say. It. I feel like it's always natural and real. That's what and we try to I do, always, man. and I always end up cracking up. And and um, so there's like three that that I that I actually really focus on, and this is this is one of them. So I'm excited to finally get to to get Fuck to be yeah, on bro. Here, and man. we and we'll get you on another round here soon, and oh, get man, your play, get you. I'm gonna hold you to it, for dude. Sure. No, absolutely, bro. <laughs> no, man, I love love having you and all that. So you guys make sure to check out our boy Murphy Elmore, the brand new single "Talk You Into Staying," uh, co-written with the heavy hitters Mark Irwin and and Brian Davis. BD also produces Mr. Murphy Elmore. Oh, yeah, Y'all be monster. sure to check him out. Pre-order the shit out of it um so these guys get some more money on itunes but also stream it tell your friends tell your mama and them uh all that good stuff big thanks to murphy elmo for joining us shout out to sweet boy helping us put this one together sweet Um, boy back there ladies he is single he may or may not have chloroform on his little hand but uh he is single all you need to do to keep him breathing is miller light and fireball he ain't he ain't an expensive date ladies you know so shout out to matt mcawain shout out to our sponsors saxman studios grady saxman and the boys holding it down out there in Mount Juliet. Our boy uh, Wales Tony, Whale Tail Media, Wales, BZ, Gracie, the whole crew over there. We love you, Wales. And then, of course, um, a guy that's working with Murphy Elmore, working with us, working with a number of people here in town, Mitch Wallace, the pride of Wetumpka, Alabama. Oh. Um, he is, uh, he's got a new company called the Digital Marketing Agency, and if you're looking to grow your TikTok, your socials, hit up Mr. Mitch Wallace. Thank you guys mm-hmm. for watching, uh, listening, however you're taking in this podcast. would really appreciate it if you like like, subscribe, give us a rating. If you think it sucks, give us one star. Still better than nothing. Um, and once again, my name is Matt Burrell. This has been the In the Round Podcast. Woo!